0: Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Yanrong Wong is a writer of non-fiction based in Mianjin on unceded Jagera and Turboland. land. Her work has appeared in many print and online publications, including The Guardian, Mianjin and Griffith Review, and she's currently working on her first full-length manuscript, Things Left Unsaid. She performed this story at the Brisbane Powerhouse. I hold grudges. It's probably not the best trait to have, but my memory is long. And while I try my best to be kind and generous and caring, there is a part of me that is cold and unforgiving. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) The oldest and most potent of these grudges hails from primary school. And it's against the two teachers I had in grades six and seven. Before this incident, I loved one of these teachers. I had her in grade one, and in years past, she'd written me Christmas cards and even given me a gift of a miniature magnetic chess set. She gave big, comforting hugs, and I thought she'd always be on my side. I don't know what changed. (laughs) I'd always been a quiet kid, though. I was one of those children who always had her head stuck in a book. I'd even mastered the art of reading while walking at a young age. I was also what other kids considered a nerd, and it didn't help that I fell into a pool of stereotypes attributed to Asians. I was good at and I really liked maths. I played a stringed instrument. (laughs) I went to North Shore for a couple of years, and I generally liked school and learning stuff. I'd been bullied a few times, so I knew how cruel other kids and on occasion parents could be. But I had an implicit trust in my teachers. After all, they were supposed to be there for us to guide us and teach us. In any case, the non-human stars of this grudge are a can of deodorant and a copy of Heinemann's Atlas, which first appeared on our mandated book lists in grade four. This was also about the time I fell in love with glittery gel pens. I used them for everything, imprinting my name on all my books in differing shades of purple and green and blue and gold. I loved these pens and I loved my atlas, which contained burgeoning buds of a love for geography I'm sure I inherited from my dad. We didn't use the atlas as much, but they stayed in our tidy trays, remember those? Just in case. (laughs) And one day, Kate, one of my bullies, and a girl who just happened to sit opposite me at the time, announced she'd lost her atlas. That same day, I was asked to stay behind while my classmates ran laps around the Oval as part of our daily exercise routine. I was their main suspect because a few weeks prior, I'd stolen a can of deodorant from another girl's bag. My parents, being Asian, wouldn't buy me my own and I'd been convinced that smelling like impulse was the in thing for girls my age. I was 10 at the time. So based on this behaviour, they determined I'd also stolen Kate's atlas. They sat me between their twin desks and tried to glare kindly at me as if what they were doing was for my own benefit, my own good. They grilled me, asked me why I would want to steal something as innocuous and rarely used as an atlas. (laughs) I maintained my innocence. I hadn't done it, but they kept pushing. I showed them my atlas, and they snatched it from my hands, eager to prove me wrong. They found their evidence within the first few pages, my name in cursive, in gold. (laughs) You wouldn't have had a gold gel pen when you were in grade four, they scoffed. But I remember the excitement of writing my name in the atlas with the gold gel pen and the annoyance I felt at at myself when I opened it the next day to see a smudge on the opposite page. (laughs) I closed it while the ink was still wet. I knew they wouldn't believe me and there was no rebuttal to this other than a, but I did have a gold gel pen, so I stayed quiet. In hindsight, it was a strange thing to hinge the entire argument on. In any case, they claimed I'd taken Kate's atlas, taken it home, written my name in it with the class I was in at the time before returning it to my tidy tray the next day. An interesting hypothesis, (laughs) but an incorrect one nonetheless. I knew there was nothing I could say to convince them of my innocence that, coupled with a cultural conditioning to avoid conflict at all costs, meant lengthy periods of silence, which I presume they took for an admission of guilt. During one of these silences, one of the teachers rummaged around in the pile of books to her right, and it was then she spied another atlas. She pulled it out, and lo and behold, it was Kate's. Vindication, I thought. But they just looked at each other and then to me, and then told me to go back outside to join my classmates. I never got an apology. I did, however, retain the feeling that they thought of me as lesser than, that they didn't really respect me. I started to wonder if the grade one teacher who had been so kind to me in the past was really kind at all. I started to distrust adults with the conclusion that the only person who would look out for me was me. I also got an invite to a parent-teacher meeting where, among other things, I was told I was socially inept and this was a contributing factor to my being bullied. These days we called that victim blaming, but back then there was no widely known term for it. All I know for sure is that that 10-year-old took their words to heart and she spent the rest of her schooling years breaking herself apart to fix something that wasn't even broken in the first place. I wanted to ask for an apology, to demand one, but 10-year-old me didn't know how to ask for the things she wanted or even the things she was owed. I'd been scared into submission so many times that I didn't even know I was allowed to ask for these things. And that's before we go into the power dynamic inherent in an Asian girl trying to confront two middle-aged white women who already hold a position of power in her life. This is the first time I've ever told this story in its entirety. I guess I've been waiting for the right time. I still remember their faces, their names, how after that meeting they continued to smile at me like they'd done nothing wrong. I often found myself wondering how they were allowed to be teachers. I didn't want what happened to me to happen to any other kid. I've dreamed of looking them in the eye of telling them how their words and actions took years of therapy to reverse. I want them to see how I have prevailed, that I am more than they ever thought I could be. I want to tell them they were wrong. I want an apology. It's been 16 years and a part of me knows it's silly to hold on to this wish. I know I'll never get the apology I deserve. I want to try to set this grudge free, but it feels like it's etched into the very fibre of my being. Maybe by telling the story out loud for the first time, I can start to let a little bit of it go. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Follow Queer Stories on Facebook for updates and me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.